Hello, family. Welcome to another episode of Motherhood in Black and White. I'm Kanji. I'm Tara. And we are excited to be back with you and to welcome you to the conversation. This evening, this morning, this afternoon, whatever it looks like, what whenever you're it? listening to time in 2020 is an amorphous concept. It's a contract. I threw my calendar out in March. I so you know. wrote on my kitchen whiteboard calendar, time is a construct, quarantine 2020. It's said that for four months now. Five. <laughs> oh, yeah. Going into the sixth month, so just doing the best we can in this new season of our lives. But today's going to be a little bit different podcast, fam, because today just wanted to talk about joy and happiness and lightheartedness. Just have a little fun. Have a lot of fun. Yeah. And so today, here's a story of a lovely lady who was busy raising a middle schooler of her own. Wait a second. That story has already been taken. That sounds very familiar. What does it sound like to you, T? It sounds very familiar. That transports me right back to sitting in front of my TV by myself in my house. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Growing up. Watching those Brady Bunch reruns. Yeah, and remember back in the 1980s when we were growing up, we were both latchkey kids, right? Correct, that's right. And it's hard to remember a time when people actually left the house. But growing up, the parents and, and the adults in my house weren't there. And we were latchkey kids. So I grew up with the television on most of the day. Same. Uh, I was a TV kid. And so the television and TV moms and TV families kind of transported me. And I was able to see a lot about what other people looked like and what other people have done. And what we wanted to talk about today with each other is how those TV moms kind of influence our motherhood sort of shaped our ideas of what a mom is. So picture this. What if we think about motherhood in a WWJD? WWJD. What would June June Cleaver Cleaver do? do? What would June Cleaver do? Because think about it. For so many years, June Cleaver was the epitome of the perfect mom. She was. You know, she had the perfect house. She had the perfect husband, the perfect kids the not-so-perfect neighbor. That's right. You know, and... Who she loved anyway. Who she loved She was part of the family. (laughs) Everyone, all of us have... You have that one kid that your son is friends with. I do. That you kind of wish would just not come over. I do have that one kid. I do. (laughs) And isn't that why we all got ring doorbells? That's right. Good afternoon, Mrs. Cleaver. Just don't trust a 13-year-old boy that's that polite. And thinking about June Cleaver... She had this grace about her. She had this loveliness in her house and everything was all put together. Always. And so I said, well, what would June Cleaver do if she was faced with a parenting problem or a parenting issue? But as TV evolved, as cultures evolved, as time has gone on, we had all of these different types of moms that we were able to look to for representation. Right. So what we want to do is we talked a little bit earlier this week about your experience, Tara, and who your top five TV moms of all time are. That's right. Yeah. And family, I want you guys to think as well. If you think about who are your top five TV moms and maybe think before we reveal our list, Mm -hmm. I love the cliffhanger aspect of this. We knew a lot of fun. Yeah. Building, right? right. So think about who are your top five TV moms And let's see if our lists kind of line up. Yeah. Growing up as a latchkey kid, there was a lot of what I did that was dictated by television. You know, not only was my mom not home, but when I went and spent summers with my grandmother, my Medea down in Nashville, Tennessee, (laughs) she also wasn't home. But this was before we had things like, you know, remote controls and VCRs. So growing up, I was the remote control. Right. I was the VCR. My grandmother was a nurse and she was a, a black nurse in Nashville, Tennessee. 
And before she left to go to work, she would always say, baby, I need you to watch the stories for me. The stories. <laughs> Did you I hear? know exactly you what, know what stories the stories are. Is, I do yeah. know what the stories are. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> the stories are the soap operas. So I would have to, at seven, eight, nine years old, watch the soap operas yep. and give my grandmother the full report when she got home from work. <laughs> I knew everything about, you know, <laughs> the Luke and Laura's wedding, yes, Reba and yes. Josh and their love affair, mm-hmm. you know, so that was how I was raised. And, and, and TV kind of helped to shape me and also formed a lot of my relationships with people. So top five TV moms. They might look a little different because we've been alive for a few decades now. Yeah, I I was thinking about when I was making my list, I was like, this is a lot of fun. It's very fun to go back and think about this, but it is going to date me quite a bit. Like my list is extremely old. I was like, I don't even know if anybody's going to know some of these moms. Probably not. That's okay. I'm excited to hear your list. So we're going to start the list rundown and we're going to reveal our number five TV moms. You go first, my dear friend. Oh, my number five. Okay. So my number five is Morticia Adams. When we're together, darling. Every night is Halloween. Yes, it is. Don't laugh at me. It is Morticia Adams. And here's why. Here's why. I have very good reasons why. The two big reasons are, first of all, she was so sexy. Like, there were no sexy moms on TV. They Mm -hmm. were all very, you know, put together and very self-contained. There wasn't, you know, a lot of friskiness. But Morticia brought it. She was a very sexy TV mom. And I always thought that was pretty cool. And then number two... She loved her kids, even though they were super weird. Like her kids, her kids would bring the wildest stuff to the table and she would be just like, absolutely. That's amazing. That's the best thing you've ever done. I'm like, uh, Wednesday's trying to kill her brother. Like we might want to check on that. And she would just support them no matter what. Unconditional support. She's my number five. But she was also the anti-June Cleaver. So Morticia That says a lot, by the way. That says a lot about how I grew up. That's who I was looking to for advice. This is why I love things like this, just getting to know you a little bit better and how your twisted mind works. (laughs) We blame Morticia Adams. That's right. So the number five on my list is Florida Evans. Evans. So Florida Evans is from the 1970s TV show Good Times, which was a spinoff of another 1970s show, Maude, which was a spinoff of All in the Family. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why I have Florida Evans on my list other than the fact that I've seen every episode of Good Times 50, 60 times mm-hmm. over. Yeah. It was always on in the afternoons and on the weekends was because she was raising three kids and that family actually looked a lot like mine right. growing up. It yep. was a, a mother and father, but, you know, shout out James Evans, who was no longer with us towards Ooh, the last few seasons. Damn. He had a contract <laughs> negotiations apparently with a problem. James was tragically killed off camera. But it was the older brother who was a skinny older brother, JJ. Yes. And it all belongs to kid And that was my older brother. My older brother was a skinny comedian who I loved. And then the middle daughter and the younger son. So it looked like my family growing up and I loved it. And I liked how Florida did what she needed to to take care of her family. And then she had the neighbor and, you know, Janet Jackson was on the show. Mm -hmm. So I liked the fact that that was the first time for me that I was able to see a reflection of what looked like my family on TV. Right. So Florida Evans, in good times, my number five. I love you, Florida Evans. And I'm going to say this for you. I know this is a PG show. Mm -hmm. Damn, damn, damn. 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 That's right. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so number four, who you got? Number four. So number four, I have Mrs. Cunningham, also known as Mrs. C from Happy Days. And the reason that I really loved her when I would watch that show growing up is that she was everybody's mom. Yeah. So, you know, she had her own kids, but she also mothered all of their friends. They were always at her house, always you know, house. in and out. And I love that she was the only one who could call Fonzie Arthur by his first name. I loved that. Oh, you've given me new hope, Arthur. Hey, that's what I'm here for. She had a little talk back to her. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? She yeah. she was in the 50s era on the show, but she didn't take a lot of mess. I'm going to bed. Yeah, but sweetheart, it's got to be warmed up. Howard, sit on it. She definitely gave it back, which I could appreciate that about her. And, you know, later in life, she went back to work. And I just loved that even though she was kind of an era where she was kind of against the grain in that way, she, she had a little bit of sass to her, but she was also such a great, warm, inviting person for all of her kids and their friends. I love that. What was your favorite episode of Happy Days? I knew you were going to ask me that. So I was a big Mork and Mindy fan. So of course I loved it when Mork was on. Nanu! Nanu! But I always think about, for some reason, it just got stuck in my brain, I guess because it's such a part of pop culture vernacular now, but the whole jumping the shark episode. (laughs) I just always, when I think, I know there's a hundred more to choose from, but I always think of that one because it always just cracks me up that it became this thing that turned into its own phenomenon. Here we go, Fonz. I'm heading for the ramp. Are you sure you want to do it? I liked Happy Days, but again, just didn't really look like my family. But it looked like what I wanted my family to look like. Not in terms of the color, but in terms of the the stability of it, you know? Yes. Um, Yeah, I get that. And I think also that when we look at Happy Days... And I can see that you have taken a part of Mrs. C's personality from that Aww. because you are, you're the den mother, you're the cub mother. And I don't know if our family knows this about you, but I'm a den leader. I'm a den, leader, a den for, leader. Yes, I'm a den leader in Cub Scouts. So I have five little guys that I've been, uh, been their den leader, gosh, for four years now, which blows my mind. But yep, I teach them how to do stuff and I have them in my house. And, and, and I'll just say, very similar to your experience, I was also on my own a lot as a kid and in a lot of ways, sort of untethered in general. And so I often look to my friend's parents to help me or my aunts to take care of me. And so I always loved that I got some of that love and affection, you know, in extended family members and friends. And so when I saw, you know, Miss C was kind of like that. And I always wanted to be that mom who was like, you can all come to me. My house is always open. That was always sort of something I, I wanted to do or be. All right, Kanji, so what's your number four? Your number four had Arthur Fonzarelli, who was a fantastic motorcyclist. Mm-hmm. I loved it when he jumped the shark. Mm-hmm. And my number four actually also has a motorcycle component in it. Okay. My number four mom is Gemma Tellermore <gasps> from Sons of Anarchy. I she was on my alternate list. There is no alternate was list. So evil. <laughs> she well, okay, so evil. I mean loving. Yeah. You know, she loved her son, Jax. True. And the reason I put her on this is because she was that fierce tiger mom. Yeah. You stay away from my family. Oh, what? You gonna kill me, Gemma? Huh? Like you did the first husband. You stay away from me, you son of a... And as we all know, there is nothing she would not do for her baby boy. Nothing. And that... <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing she would not do. (laughs) 
<laughs> Every time I said your name the first year I knew you, Tara, I'd be like, Tara. Oh, I know. I like remember Jack telling remember? me that. I say your name like Jack says it on uh, Sons of Anarchy. Like I'm like, never you do, actually. Before. I love you, Tara. <laughs> but having a mom of a son who was in a motorcycle game, you know, she might have been a little too accepting. Yeah, you know, maybe. She, she was a little too permissive. A little bit, maybe. But also, we talked about Morticia Adams showing unconditional love. That was Gemma Teller showing it. And I like that. Sons of Anarchy showed a different type of mom. That's true. She was the anti-June Cleaver. Yes. She was super fierce about, you know, even how she loved her grandkids. And it was always about the family. So I get always that. About the family, always yeah. about the family. Yes. And keeping everybody together. I love you, Jackson, from the deepest, purest part of my heart. You have to do this till we are, sweetheart. My baby boy. So that was why Gemma from Sons of Anarchy is my number four. Number I, four. So family, if you had Gemma Teller on your top five list, please reach out to me because I think <laughs> that we will automatically be really good yeah, friends. Yeah, go ahead and mark that bingo card because you just won. You just won the kanji bingo. <laughs> that was a surprise. I thought that it would be. a good one. So number three, who's number three on your list? Okay, so number three, I'm going to come forward a little bit and pick Joyce Beyer from Stranger Things. I have never heard that name before. Never? Have you watched Stranger Things? I don't know what you're talking about. Kanji. Yeah. You gotta watch Stranger Things. Okay, so Joyce Beyer is played by Winona Ryder and Stranger Things was a show that came out, I'm not gonna get it right, maybe three or four years ago, Netflix. Well, essentially what happens is her son, he disappears. My son, Hop! My son! I'm going! And what's going on in this city is there's this, they call it the Upside Down and it's basically like this demonic place that's kind of underneath the the regular place. It's like, if you go into it, it looks like the city, but it's covered in slime and guts and monsters. Her son disappears and everybody's like, oh, you know, we can't find him. And she's like, no. And she goes and spends all this time figuring out how to communicate with him and like goes into this slimy upside down place and gets her son out of there. And mm. she, I mean, just like she goes and she gets him. She never gives up. You took my boy away from me. You left him in that place to die and then when he's back you know he's weird he had this crazy traumatic experience and so like in season two you get to kind of watch him navigate that and she just never quits on him and she she has two sons she's an older son and her younger son and she just always supports them is always there to like fight for them and make it better and she never gave up gave up on him and i just loved her in that joyce buyer is her name joyce buyer yep have you ever had your son disappear no not for more than like a minute and a half. And that was long enough. Yeah. Yeah. We had a moment in a store one time where I like flipped around a couple of times and you had that like panic for just a second. And I made it tr- to track him down pretty quickly. We lost Roman at the Texas State Fair. You did? Yes. And it was the most terrifying, I would say two hours, but I know it was only about 17 or 18 minutes. Oh my God. But when Roman was about four years old, mm-hmm. we were at the Texas State Fair. And for our family that's listening, if you're listening in you know, Texas, of course, everything is bigger in Texas. And back then they had these inflatable bounce houses. Right. And they had the inflatable slide. Okay. You know, and he wanted to go down the inflatable slide. And we were in an indoor section of the State Fair. And my husband and I were standing next to each other. And I told my husband, I said, hey, you go stand at the end of the slide house. It was like the little bouncy house, obstacle course, everything. And it was packed. There were kids everywhere. and Everyone looked the same. And I was standing at the front. And so I see Roman go into the obstacle course, mm-hmm. knowing that my husband is on the other end of it. 
And a couple of minutes later, I walk to the end and my husband is standing there and Roman's nowhere to be found. Oh my God. And I said, where's Roman? Yeah. And he's like, I don't know. And unbeknownst to us, Joey was standing on the right side of the slide at the very end. And as soon as Roman got off, he darted off to the left. Oh, so man. But no one knew where he was. Oh, God. And automatically, I started shrieking. Mm-hmm. And we started looking around. And Joey ran back through the slide. And we are tearing everything up. And in that moment, one, I got a security guard. I said, our son is missing. Mm. And the security guard got on the, the walkie-talkie. And they closed and locked all of the doors. Mm-hmm. They locked everyone in. And they said, ma'am, what is he wearing? And Tara, I closed my eyes oh, and I could not remember what he was wearing. And there was, you know, Joey is kind of yelling at me and I'm yelling at him. Mm-hmm. The hell am I supposed to think? You're such a great mom. You're a mess. Don't you dare. At least I was here. Oh, come on, Joyce. Just look around at this place. And every emotion I had in that moment was just panic and mm-hmm. sheer terror. I couldn't remember what he was wearing. It was just something that simple. Yeah. I had no idea. So after a few minutes and we're all walking through the pavilion, someone found him. Mm -hmm. A security guard found him and was holding his hand. And just what happened, happened. Like I mentioned to you, he got off the slide and he ran to the left Mm -hmm. and he went and he found someone in uniform that he trusted that he felt safe with. And Mm -hmm. that person held him until they were able to find us. Yeah. And we would love to be the moms that never had those experiences. I would love to say that I've never lost my kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear you. But I did. And I try to do everything right. And again, I say, like, you know, what would June Cleaver do? Because that's not something that is ever portrayed on TV. But when it is portrayed, a lot of times it has the unhappy ending. Right. Talk about guilt, like for years. Yeah. But then also the panic, like he's never going back on a bouncy house ever again. My palms are sweating just listening to your story. (laughs) I totally know how that feels. And so... I've never seen Stranger Things. I don't know if I would be able to because when you talk about missing, it losing like a child, reignites like, oh, that panic. Yeah. No, not ready to go yeah, back there. Not ready yeah. to go back there at all. Yeah. Well, spoiler alert. She finds him. It's okay. <laughs> you can Thank do you. it. Happy ending. I love it. So, I mean, it's not totally happy. It still gets weird, but he's Ooh. okay. He makes it back. <laughs> we get a happy ending. And, and you know what? Happy ending of my life because my husband found our son. Oh, my gosh. And yeah, he's here right now practicing He's a bassoon. He started playing bassoon this year, sixth grade. Oh, wow. All interesting. All good stuff. This, so this week he's been playing the bassoon. Fun times. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're I, such an optimist. I mean, you know, I do my best. We are just going to, you know what we're going to do? What's that? We're going to keep Q-tip in business by just getting some cotton swabs in my ears <laughs> for the next year. Right. Mm. Get my, some of those good earplugs. Good, good earplugs. So my number three yes. is also a newish character. Okay. She's newish from a TV show that's been on the air for a few years. The TV show is Blackish. Mm-hmm. And the character is Rainbow Johnson, Rainbow Johnson, the matriarch of that family. Listen, we both have huge jobs, but when I come home from mine, from, you know, saving lives and whatnot, I start a whole other second huge job. When you come home, you play video games. Hey, that is ridiculous. I love the TV show Blackish, mm-hmm. and I know that a lot of people don't watch the TV show, unfortunately, because of the title and the name. I've heard a lot of my white friends say, oh, that's a TV show for black people. I don't watch it. Family, if you have not seen this show, <laughs> let me tell you, you are missing out because it is not about black people. It's not just about the black experience. It's about 
the family experience. Right. And something that a lot of TV shows in the 80s did so well, like Family Ties or Cosby Show, or even if you're going to talk about the early 2000s, Gilmore Girls, is you show like real experiences of people and families that don't look like the traditional family, right. but actually are just how families in America look now. Yeah. And so Rainbow Johnson is a working mother. She's a doctor. She has five kids. She has a husband who's an executive. They live in an upper class section of Los Angeles. And Rainbow Johnson is the antithesis to a Florida Evans. You know, Florida Evans was the representation that we saw of the black women in the 1970s. We saw that kind of family in the 1970s. Yeah. And that was the portrayal, the media portrayal of black people. You would have them living in the ghetto, right. um, living in the projects right. and striving and surviving and in spite of and maybe because of it. Rainbow Johnson and the Johnsons are on the come up. They <laughs> come up, they <laughs> have arrived. Fine. Yes. But that's how a lot of black America lives. You know, you have a large majority of black America that looks like the Rainbow Johnsons and the Johnson family. But for so many years, for so many decades, all we saw and the portrayals were of the element that the media wanted us to portray. And it took a long time like to more, have the representation. Yeah, like more poverty and yeah, yeah like struggle all the time and Right, you know, single moms. Correct, yes. Um, so seeing someone that looks like Rainbow who has the experience that is very similar to kind of what I've had, Yeah, love it. You saw Roots, right? You know I did, black man. Uh, no, you didn't. I did not, black man. Okay, look. There's a scene in the movie where Kunta Kinte. Oh, sorry, what is that? I don't know what that is. LeVar Burton. Oh, reading Rainbow. The black dude from Star Trek. Okay, well, unlike you, Dre, I'm not just going to celebrate any girl that Junior brings home. What if she's mean? What if she's dumb? What if they don't have anything in common? How'd you two meet? I was actually coming down the hall when I noticed him. A couple of freshmen were trying to take his backpack. You should have seen Megan confront those oh. girls. She was amazing. <laughs> well... I mean, Megan's amazing at everything. Love it. She's my number three. Yeah, I am ashamed to say I haven't watched Blackish, not because I because it's a black family, but just um, I got out of the sitcom business a few years ago, and I just I have another friend, and she's like, you got to watch this one. I'm like, you're right. I need to sit down and do it. But I did watch Black AF on Netflix, mm. which was Kenya Burris's kind of what more like what he says his real family is a little bit like. Right. And, uh, and, and Kenya Burris is the executive producer and the showrunner for Blackish. Blackish. That's right. Yeah. So I watched Black AF and I really enjoyed it. And I keep telling myself I need to go back and, and go through Blackish because I've, I've heard it's phenomenal. We have to have your son and husband over one day and you just yeah. do like a TV marathon. That would be cool. We could do that. I don't that. think they would like it. Uh, you know, I will tell you, my husband can't sit still that long, but he'll come up here and and uh, mess around with the music stuff. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. All right, so number two on your list, we're getting towards the end so of our list. That's right. So number two, I'm gonna take it back again, and I'm gonna go. To, I'm not gonna say your name right. I don't know why all of a sudden I'm worried about mispronouncing it. But uh, Sophia Petrillo. Oh, Sophia Petrillo is my number two. She was on my alternate list. Was she? Yes, yes she's a good one. And um, what I, from the Golden from Girls. the Golden Girls? That's right. And what I loved about her is that. Um, you know, she was living with her adult daughter, quite adult, a daughter, much older, and her friends. And even though her daughter was well past middle age and retirement age, and they were living together, they still had this really tender relationship. I mean, she was super sassy, and she gave them, you know, trouble all the time. Obviously, she was hilarious. 
But in those moments where she really needed to be, you could just tell like she obviously still loved her daughter and wanted the best for her daughter and would really hype her up when she needed it. I wouldn't give up having you for anything in the world. Thanks, Mom. And I knew you'd be special. And I didn't disappoint you. A little. The theme for me is obviously, I like I'm a little sassy and a little tender. I like a little bit of both in my mom on TV. So. Listen, you are never too old for mama. <laughs> you know? When I call and text my mom, if she don't answer the phone, I'm like, what are you doing in this world that is more important than talking to me? <laughs> I should be number one. Always. Always. <laughs> you never get too old for your mama. So yeah. that's, I love that. I loved that show. And I love Sophia Petrillo. And I love the actor that played her. Estelle Getty. Estelle, uh, Getty. Estelle Getty. That's right. And B. Arthur. Shout from out to B. Arthur from Maude. That's yes. right. That's right. B. Arthur. They made him good back then. Yeah, she was such a <laughs> fabulous comedian. Yeah. And this is my mother, Sophia. Uh, it's nice to meet y'all. So, Becky, what brings you to Miami? My guess is a small barge. <laughs> that show, even though you watch parts of it now, so much of it still resonates today. Yeah, I, I will love- still get in a rabbit hole sometimes. They have these uh, compilations on YouTube of like, Sophia's best burns. And yeah, I will yeah. get in there and I will just write them all down. <laughs> I said it before and I'll say it again. Sluts just heal quicker. Mel makes me feel young and beautiful and special. When we're together, we laugh a lot. Why wouldn't you? You're both naked. <laughs> So now I'll know where you get all your comedy bits from. That's right. That's right. So Petrillo said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarcastic Italian humor. That's my that's my vibe. You do have very sarcastic humor and wit. Family, if you only knew. And you're going to find out more as you get to know Tara yeah, as we keep get better. Going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what was so funny, I remember watching that show when I was younger and my mom would point out that even though she plays the mom on that show, mm-hmm. she was actually, I think, maybe one of the younger right. members of that cast, which was really funny to me. I still think she's one of the funniest female characters we've seen on TV of ever. Time. Hilarious. I loved it. So funny. My number two is actually not from a comedy. Okay. It's from a drama. And my number two mom is Meredith Grey from Grey's Anatomy. Ooh, another new one. Another You're new showing one. me up. I'm in the so old stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older than you, but I'm trying to keep it current. I like it. I, I don't like know it. anything about Stranger Things, but I know everything about Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. So Meredith Grey has personified what a working mom can be. And the trajectory of her career and her motherhood journey has yeah. been on display because the show's been on the air for like 18 years. Right. So it was a, we were able to see who she was before child and after delivery. And I've said this to you before, Tara, I say to a lot of people that my life is not about high school, college, 20s, 30s anymore. I separate my life into two realms, Mm -hmm. BC and AD. Mm -hmm. So BC is before child Mm -hmm. and AD is after delivery. Mm -hmm. And Meredith Grey, because she's come so far as her character, we've been able to see so much of her life. We know who she was before she had kids Mm -hmm. and the parts of her that have changed some and who she is now that she has her three kids, including an adopted black daughter. The showrunners there, shout out to Shonda Rhimes. Mm -hmm. I love the way that they just talk about having a multicultural, multi-ethnic cast. And Meredith Grey, who's gone through so much heartache and pain, she just keeps it together and keeps on living. She's fantastic. She's fierce. I know she's fake, but. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I um, watched Grey's Anatomy right up until, I watched it until, um, spoiler alert, Derek died. You don't remember me. Meredith. But I remember you. 
as the coward who stood over my dying husband. You're gonna be fine. The love of my life. So I, after that, I couldn't come back. I watched it straight all the way through. And then when he done, I was like, I'm out. I can't do anymore. And I've gone back a few times just to catch up a little bit and see what everybody's doing. But her motherhood journey was so interesting with, you know, the adoption first and then having kids sort of surprisingly and then one after Derek passed away. Yeah. And, uh, but I always loved that about that entire cast because uh, they had a few people on that show that were super high powered working moms that had babies while they were in this really high stress job. You know, Dr. Bailey did it and then Meredith did it. And I just remember watching that and being like, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could have a baby while I had that job. <laughs> <laughs> let anyway. me digress a little bit. So let me t- ask you a question about your your motherhood journey. Mm-hmm. I know a lot about you, AD. Yep. Tell me a story about you, BC, before child. What before was your yeah. child? I know. You're like, what oh, is that like? Oh, gosh. Tell us a little something about you, BC. BC. Um, what's hard about BC, AD, is that uh, the memories get a little fuzzy, AD, right? I, I almost <laughs> cannot remember what it was like before I <laughs> There were, I'll tell you in a nutshell, before we had kids, there were brunches. Oh my gosh. There was sleeping in. (laughs) There were long walks in the park. You know, we talked. There were R-rated TV shows. So many all the time, up all night. Yeah. So, uh, well, we talked a little bit about, you remember I was pregnant. I was in college. I was finishing my degree and I was a late uh, bloomer on that. So I was uh, in my late 20s, early 30s when I had Gage. So before Gage, I was a college student going at night and, uh, you know, full-time working during the day. And I think the biggest part of my life outside of just that stuff was I was a runner. I am a runner. And before Gage, I was constantly like training for races and traveling for races. I was going out of town all the time, hanging out with my friends, long Saturday mornings running. I mean, I don't even know what I'd do with that kind of time in my life these days. <laughs> Let's have you train for a race in 2021. Can I be your cheerleader yeah, and you just run? Okay. I'm actually training for one right now. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I've got Let's a half keep... marathon coming in December. Okay. So we're going to be your accountable. We will. So fam, let's make sure that we make sure that uh, Tara's training goes well as she is preparing for her half marathon That's in right. December. Okay. So this is the interesting thing. We've gotten to number one. Yes. Here is what's interesting. There are a couple of really famous TV moms and have not been on either of our lists yet. That's right. And so I'm anxious and wondering if we have the same same number one. Mm -hmm. So there's two moms Mm -hmm. that I'm thinking about. Okay. And I think your number one is going to be one of these two. I think it's either Carol Brady or Claire Huxtable. Yes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) That's right. So, So my number one. You do it at the same time and see no, what happens. No, okay. No. Our podcast producer <laughs> okay. would not like us. Okay. So my number one is Claire Hexable. Oh, yeah. Claire from the Cosby, from the Cosby Show, show. the nineteen eighties. Right. Yes. How you doing, Alvin? Hi, Dr. Huxtable. Oh, right. Thanks for letting me in. It's okay. <laughs> Hi, Mrs. Huxtable. Hello, Elvin. Is Sandra ready? Well, uh, not yet, but she'll be down in a little while. Would you and Dr. Huxtable like some coffee? Coffee? Yeah, coffee. You mean you're gonna get it? Yes? You're surprised? I'm sorry, Mrs. Huxtable. I didn't think you did that kind of thing. What kind of thing? You know, serve. Serve whom? Serve him. Oh, serve him! As in serve your man? Well, yeah. Let me tell you something, Elvis. You see, I am not serving Dr. Huxtable, okay? Okay. That's the kind of thing that goes on in a restaurant. 
Now, I'm going to bring him a cup of coffee just like he brought me a cup of coffee this morning. And that, young man, is what marriage is made of. It is give and take 50-50. And if you don't get it together and drop these macho attitudes, you are never going to have anybody bringing you anything, anywhere, anyplace, anytime, ever. That show started when I was old enough to start from the beginning. So all the shows I've mentioned... Except for Stranger Things, obviously, but all of those older shows I've mentioned already, I kind of watched them in reruns as a kid. But the Cosby Show started when I was old enough to be there on day one, and so I started with that family from the very beginning. And obviously, Claire Huxtable played by the amazing Felicia Rashad. Yes. And what I loved about her as a mother, and it tracks for me clearly, is. A whole lot of sass. She did not take any mess. All five of yours. Uh-huh. I see. They're yeah. very sassy. Very sassy. Um, but she was also just really strong. She was also a working mother and a very high power. You know, she's an attorney like this lovely mother sitting across from me right yes. now. Thank you. And, um, you know, so she worked outside the home and she uh, there was no excuses made about that. She didn't pull any punches about it or have any guilt and shame about it, which is sometimes in TV shows where the moms work. She was equal in her relationship. She was equal in the house, if not the boss, obviously. And um, I loved how she taught her kids. Like mm-hmm. when she would, when they would teach those Cosby children, and there were a lot of them, when she would, they would teach those Cosby children, you know, lessons or try to help them through tough times. I really appreciated how they tried to show their kids how to work through that stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it, it didn't feel as canned as some of like the earlier shows I would watch. It felt like some of that stuff was really groundbreaking and, and I, I was thinking earlier about like what show sticks out to me. And do you remember when um, it was Theo, right? Who was, thought he was grown or was it Vanessa? Who was it? And they, all her kids thought they were grown, but yeah, she yeah, put yeah. them in their place but quickly you, yeah, when remember, Theo was um, trying to live on his yes, own. Yes. Yes. And they were, he like came downstairs and had breakfast and they tried to charge him for yes, it and course. they charged him rent. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I love that episode always makes me laugh. Hey dad, how you doing? Who? Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, Mr. Landlord. My name is Harley. Harley Wewax. <laughs> okay, Mr. Wewax, my name is Theodore Huxtable. Huxtable, yes. Your folks were by here, very nice people. <laughs> Said to give you this. There you go. Dear Theo, here's $2,000 to get started. Good luck. We love you very much, Mom and Dad. Beautiful people. <laughs> this is play money. It's good here. Great. Mm. With two grand in my pocket, I'll be set. All right. Well, we want to welcome you to the real world of partners. Take a look at this. As you can see, the woodwork here is all hand done. Hi, Millie. Hi, Harley. I just remember thinking as a kid, um, you know, not to get too deep on it, but, you know, like I've already touched on, I spent a lot of time alone and I kind of raised myself and kind of raised my brother very self-sufficient. And I just remember watching that show and being like, that family really loves each other and they care about each other, take care of each other and... I just loved it. And just loved it. I wanted her to be my mom so bad. And America loved the Cosby show yeah. because it was the number one show in the country for years. And spoiler alert, Claire Huxtable was my number one too. Uh, you know, she just I just ob- knew it. You knew it, right? <laughs> I did. She obliterated the myth that black women could not do and be anything. Yes. And that was what I saw. When that show came on the air, I was 10, maybe 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And every Thursday night at 8 o'clock, mm-hmm. my family sat down and watched the Cosby 
show. Yeah. And every Thursday, eight o'clock, so many families we knew sat down and watched it. And this was before VCRs. Yes, my family didn't that's have right. VCR. There was no pausing. There was, there was no, no recording. And over the weekend, people <laughs> would get together and talk about what happened on that episode. Mm-hmm. And it just showed a normal black family. And she was career, life, beauty, and family goals yeah. all in one. You know, yeah. she was an attorney. She spoke Spanish. She had a good oh, relationship. Oh, God, I forgot she Yo hablo Spanish. Right. She sang with Stevie Wonder. I was like, come Amien. on now. She can do all stuff. I can't speak sí. Spanish, so you go, girl. Yo puedo. <laughs> Yo viví en Ecuador hace mucho tiempo. Pero. I bow down. But that's why I speak Spanish, y'all. Shout out to Claire Huxtable. <laughs> But I remember those life goals. I'm gonna be like Claire Hexman. I need to speak Spanish. That's it. <laughs> I was like, I'm moving to Ecuador to speak Spanish at the Claire Hexman. I was hilarious. like, did not marry a doctor, but also didn't marry Bill Cosby. So, oh, so ooh, yeah. that's what's the hard part because I love that show, but also feel a little icky watching yeah, it now. The legacy is a little But the little legacy little is tarnished. Too. But what is not tarnished are the images that that character represented and continues to represent because right. she just showed as the matriarch of a family that she was a matriarch of a family. Mm-hmm. And I think in the 80s that white Americans watched the show, black Americans watched yes. the show. People Very loved the Cosby show. It just transcended yes. race, color, socioeconomic lines, yeah. kind of the way that Roseanne did, but not to an ex- not to as big of an extent because it wasn't as big in a lot of black right, communities. Right, but different. still, super funny. But it's interesting because we do this podcast where we're sharing different experiences from like my perspective as a white mom and your perspective as a black mom. But yet, our first number one, we both got the number got one. The, we both beat Claire Huxtable because she wins. <laughs> she hands wins down. hands down. <laughs> so <laughs> if you have Claire Huxtable on your list, family, you also win. Yeah, but you're winning in life anyway. <laughs> Remember that and always remember that WWJD, <laughs> what would June Cleaver do? That's right. Doesn't matter. What you're Not doing, it's just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you are creating your own story and your own representation and be happy with what it is and whatever it looks like because it's just fine. Yeah. I think the June Cleaver myth definitely set up a generation of women bless their hearts you know to think it has to look a certain way and and i love that i've seen and it's interesting you can see it in tv you know the progression of what a mom looks like just as we've gone through the ones we've talked about today and then you know through the decades we've kind of bounced around but you can see like from june cleaver who was sort of the quintessential first family of it and then as it's changed there's so many different iterations so we've got a bunch of examples to look at and it should be that way because motherhood looks different for for everyone for everyone yeah there is no one way motherhood looks there is no one way a mom looks you have single moms you have mothers um, who've been divorced you have mothers who had kids when they were teenagers you have mothers who are in lesbian relationships mm-hmm. you have mothers of only children you have some moms that have five kids yeah it's gonna look different yeah. wherever you live whatever you're doing just keep on doing it and some days motherhood looks like it can be a comedy <laughs> sometimes it's <laughs> a drama every day it looks like a comedy in my house <laughs> that is so good getting it wrong all the time <laughs> and please listen in next week for our special labor day episode where tara and i are going to share our labor stories and a few of our friends will join us as well and we hope that you will join the conversation as always thank you so much for joining and listening in And we look forward to that Labor Day weekend. Yeah, thank you so much, guys, for joining us. As usual, we appreciate you sharing the podcast with your friends, listening. Remember that on Apple and on Google, make sure that you leave a review. 
for us and you subscribe. And then on Spotify, you can follow us. But we love those five-star reviews and we love to read your feedback. So make sure you keep sharing with us. Take good care. Thank you, Mr. Podcast Producer. Am I supposed to go? I think so. I was waiting for him to do. (laughs) I feel like he's always recording us at this point. I am. Five, four, three, two, one.